The Society of Illustrators and Museum of Illustration is an international organization with artists and members from continents across the earth. In our work, we honor the beliefs that art and culture crosses borders and that curiosity and perspective, rather than fear and divisiveness, are the key to meaningful and successful cross-cultural dialogue and greater understanding between people. We stand with all those in our family who have been affected by recent events on the world stage and look toward the day when all artists are free to live and work wherever they feel at home in our global village. That's a note from the Society of Illustrators. Welcome to the Society of Illustrators New Visions podcast. With New Visions, we like to talk about a whole host of topics, including diversity, inclusion, and illustration's role in a larger cultural context. As you know, New Visions is led by me, Jonathan Bartlett, and includes Jensen Ekwal, Yao Xiao, John Lee, and Chris Kindred. Jonathan Bartlett, Brooklyn-based illustrator. Sounds kind of silly when you say it that way. Of course, uh, Echo doesn't help, but... Anyway, that's what today's talk is all about, you know, being a long-distance illustrator. It wasn't that long ago that New York was pretty much considered the unofficial center of the illustration community. The Society of Illustrators is here, a lot of artists came here, but with technology and time, you know, that's really changed. And who better to talk about their experience with that than the successful and beloved comic artist and illustrator Jen Bartell, who lives in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and the equally beloved and equally successful illustrator Nico Delort who lives across the pond in Paris, France. Okay, so I'm pretty proud of this talk, but bear with us as the conversation was recorded over Skype, hence the long distance, uh, and your faithful narrator, who is me this time, was actually getting over a cold. So the sound is pretty good, but there are a few spots that, uh, there's a few spots that glitch briefly. All right, so location is the starting point of this talk, but over the next hour and a half, we really do cover so many different things. Location, acceptance, identity, success, community, all these things. So welcome, and uh, thanks for joining us for this incredibly inspiring discussion. And as always, please, please go check out societyillustrators.org, and under Programs, find New Visions, and that's where our whole catalog of recorded conversations can be listened to. Okay, so then, without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, this is great. Uh, first of all, I'm so happy you guys were willing to talk, and two... It's Thank just, you. Yeah, it's like it's nice to meet you. Um, well, first of all, where I know you're in France, Nico, but where where? <laughs> um, I'm I'm right, uh, right outside. Sorry, just the dog just jumped on me. Um, <laughs> I'm right outside Paris, uh, like half an hour from the center. Oh wow! Okay, so, so you are yeah, not that far. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Uh, well, yeah, so it's really cool that you're willing to do this at. No problem. Yeah, man. Uh, and Jen are, Jen, are you behind? What? I don't know. What? Are you in a different time zone? What is it there? Yeah. You're East Coast, right? Well, you're New York. So, yeah. yeah, I'm an hour behind you. I'm in Minneapolis. So it's 3 p.m. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for taking time out of your days and nights. Um, yeah. That, that's so, so, you know, the, the kind of the impetus of this is really... I mean, we're starting with the idea that you're not living in New York. You're not New York-based illustrators, which really, I mean, I don't know. At this point, what does that really mean anyway? 
mm-hmm. but that's kind of the point. I think that's like interesting that like, you know, and even us right now, just talking like us, mm-hmm. the fact that we're like now, I mean, I'm not physically meeting you guys, but for all intents and purposes, meeting y'all, like this is kind of a perfect example of the very thing that I want to, you know, start with at least. And that's, you know, I didn't know either of you. <laughs> uh, before the internet, I, I mean, I still don't like. Really, I don't know you. I, I I know your work. I know what you say online. I enjoy conversing with y'all uh, from time to time. But like, we don't know each other. But yet here we are, and this is some version of. I don't want to use the word friendship, but it's like some version of like a mutual respect or or whatever you want to call it. And mm-hmm. then like you know, this like couldn't this wouldn't have happened. I mean, not even, I don't know, I would say, at least, obviously, 10 years ago, this never would have happened, but even for many people, more recently than that, um, so I just find that interesting, and it's, like, the, f- the mere fact that we know each other is, like, the fact of, like, the reason why we should be having this conversation. <laughs> um, so I'm curious, though, like, do you guys know each other via the same way, right? That's my assumption, um, or, or what's that, like, how did you guys Yeah. Connect? Yeah. Pretty much. Um, I don't know, Jen, you want to? Oh, yeah, well, um, so I want to say it was like two years ago, roughly. Um, um, right? Yeah, yeah around, so. yeah. <laughs> around two years. I mean, I had followed Nico's work for a while, um, but yeah, around two years ago, I, I think it was probably Twitter. Yeah, it was, it was it's always Twitter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think yeah, I think it was on Twitter through, um, through Ricardo or someone Ricardo Besa or yeah. someone else. I think probably or or Kevin Kevin Stanton. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That, uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think so. Yeah. So just through through like mutual acquaintances or whatever, which is funny to hear that because I mean that's how it always goes. But it's even just the names you're mentioning, like uh, Kevin, for example, like. It's weird. It's like this is where you realize, or at least it makes it feel like the the illustration community, which really should be super big, feels so small. Because like it's, it's like small, the yeah. same way that I, you know, I met Kevin the same way, and yet now he knows y'all, and I can't say I've ever talked to Kevin about you, but now we all know each other. You know, like yeah. it's. Well, you know what's really interesting about Twitter is um, more often than not, to me, it feels like it's this social gathering of sorts so it's it's like all of us are sort of standing in a virtual room and um you know if we were at a party or if we were at an event you know how like groupings sort of naturally form and people kind of stand in circles well I feel like that same thing happens on Twitter and especially within the illustration community um pretty much if you know one person we're all very quick to introduce each other right um so yeah I think it just kind of naturally happens right that, that makes yeah. sense. Do you, do you experience... Uh, to, oh, go ahead, please. Please, please. please. <laughs> um, yeah, to, like, if someone retweets something and, like, everyone retweets the same thing, so your, your social group <laughs> expands with that sort of thing. So, yeah, that's I think that's how, like, you end up with a very, um, like, close-knit circle of colleagues, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's how... Like I got, I met everyone on Twitter is like, like through retweeting or something and then um, interacting with them and just like, uh, you know, talking about their art and stuff like that. And that's how you get to interact with them instead of just like 
like liking their stuff and stuff like that. Yeah, well, and I think the other really interesting thing about Twitter in particular is that um, more than any other social network, I, I personally talk about stuff unrelated to art. Um, mm -hmm. and, and what's really interesting is seeing like, who's liking those posts and who's mm -hmm. responding to those. Cause I feel like there's sort of two different tiers of colleagues or peers. Um, uh, there's the people who are kind of strictly just like art colleagues and I'll talk about art with them. Um, and then there are the people that I get into much more personal conversations with. And I think that's how friendships kind of organically form more easily on Twitter than any other network. Yeah. I agree. And it's um, like Twitter is much more fast paced than uh, mm -hmm. like um, Facebook or stuff like that. So um, you can have like really spontaneous conversations on, on Twitter, uh, more so than on Facebook, in my opinion. You'll just tweet stream of consciousness kind of stuff and people will immediately reply. And that's how, you know, you get conversations started and I don't know. Something like that. This kind of takes me to uh, some stuff I, I was going to, you know, I want to get y'all's thoughts about that, the whole, that idea of sharing and Jen, what you're saying about it's So it's so interesting um, that like the sharing of information or, or just, or talk or sharing thoughts that aren't related to art. Like, I think that's a really interesting uh, kind of, Thing that's begun to happen or has been happening and that and that you get to know it's weird it's like you get to know an artist you don't know them like let's say i'm just an observer i don't even i don't talk to you right but i'm an observer and i, I watch you i listen i like your work and i keep an, uh, an eye on what you write about and i'm but i'm like feeling like i learn about you but i don't know you and then then it can take <laughs> that, that next level where you interact and then you couldn't become friends or you can make some sort of relationship um that's like an interesting thing. It like, like, do you guys ever share information or something? Or and I do this a lot myself. But you share, and then you're like, you know, did I really want to get that honest, or did I really want to be that that open, or or any of that? Like, do you just feel comfortable with yourselves, you know, as individuals, like who you are, and that's that, or or how's that, you know, like what kind of mental gymnastics or process do you go through, or is it not a process? Mm -hmm. Um, Jen, you wanna... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to make sure I don't talk over anyone. <laughs> I know, right? I'm going to cut it all... This, I'm cutting it all out. Don't worry. Yeah. It's gonna... <laughs> no, I, I can answer. Um, they're definitely... Yeah, all the time. All the time. Because you, you worry, right? Like, if you get too personal or too political or uh, just overly passionate about anything, you, you kind of, in the back of your mind, are always going to worry, is this going to affect job prospects is this going to affect you know how clients think of me because twitter is so public facing and so accessible to everyone that of course i think um for me at least it it always is a concern and you know there are definitely hills that i'm ready to die on and others that i'm kind of not i don't care enough to really take a stance on yeah but i think i think particularly in today's <clears throat> excuse me, um, political climate, it's more important than ever for artists to take a stance on things. And um, I would actually argue that now that I've become more vocal on issues that I really actively care about, um, I've actually, 
I think I've gotten more jobs because of it. You know, <laughs> um, that makes sense. Yeah, that's interesting. I, you know, as you were speaking, I was thinking, I was like, is it actually? Yeah, does it work the other way? You know, so many people we, and I'll say we as in New Visions. Um, you know, we get a lot of comments, or or when we have groups together discussing doing similar things like this. So many questions come in that are like, oh, did you ever worry, like, worry about losing work because of it or, or hurting yourselves in, in right. a professional sense? But, yeah, like, does it work the other way? That's well, interesting. Well, I, I think it can work the other way. I, I think that, you know, obviously you always want to be careful about how you're coming off. You know, I, I think that, um, like... At the end of the day, it's still public facing. You still want to maintain a certain level of professionalism, right. um, you know. And, and I think that there have been people who have fallen into uh, going a little too deep into things, um, and it can be off-putting. So I, I think there is a balance there. But I would say that um, now more than ever, I, I think that art directors and editors are, are extremely conscious of social and cultural views on things. And, and I think that um, artists who are vocal about that are more often considered first for those types of gigs. Mm -hmm. So I think it just depends on what kind of work you want to be doing more than anything. Well, that's interesting. Now, now here's a great, like, I'm going to like kick it to you, Nico, because as an, I mean, yeah. I think you're both an example of this and we'll get into Oh, I will praise you about your work later. But just on this, like you, I would say at least the work that we see uh, on the internet or wherever we may come across your work, Nico, that like you, there's no politics in the stuff I see, at least not up front. I mean, it's very yeah. much, it's driven by stories. Like I'm just yeah. shooting off the hip, like Lord of the Rings or, or Wizard of Oz or whatever. So, but, <laughs> but yeah, you're vocal too. So um, yeah, I think it's an interesting dynamic. I mean, how do you, do you ever think, oh, I want to, what I'm saying, what I'm vocalizing with words, I want to put into my work. Do I not? Well, I'm not an editorial illustrator. Um, that much is obvious. But <laughs> um, so I can't really, um, yeah, I can't really put everything I want to say into my, I could, I guess, but it's not really what I'm trying to do with my art. Mm -hmm. um, I'm more about... Uh, narratives and atmosphere and stuff like that and that doesn't really translate well if you um i don't know if you want to speak up about something or else you'll have to like write a um a statement with each piece to explain what you uh try to like convey or whatever um but so yeah that's why i like uh, i like twitter personally because i can you know i can post my art and at the same time, my art is completely unrelated to uh, politics and stuff like that, but I can still talk about politics and everything on the side. And I don't think it's ever ever um, prevented me uh, from getting work. I'm not sure, though, but I don't think it's helped either because I'm not hired for my political voice like an editorial illustrator would be, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. um, well, I tend to I tend to share a lot uh, to talk a lot on Twitter and, and kind of get personal sometimes yeah. maybe a little too much and that can be a double edged sword like because people will will um because you're you're sharing a lot about yourself and people 
read about you and think that they know you. Um, <laughs> right. They can, they can get a little. Um, they can like confuse friendly and <clears throat> friendly, polite, and actual friendship, mm-hmm. and people will you know will be. Um, how do you say? Like over familiar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Over familiar, <laughs> over familiar with you, and and yeah, confused, friendly, and an actual friend. Um, so yeah, I like sharing a lot, but if someone becomes overly familiar, I'll just ignore it. Or if they're really, really familiar, I'll, I'll mute or something. But yeah. I never got to that. Well, so, um, well, so, so yeah. how, how's this? And I, there's like a million directions I want to. Oh gosh, I have like so many questions to follow up with all this. This is great. It's just, I mean, just quick, it doesn't have to be quick, but like kind of quickly, like immediate off that, has that ever translated into in-person situations? And I asked you guys, I think that's a great example because as far as I can tell, um, from knowing too much probably, uh, that you do convent, you know, y'all both go to conventions perhaps, um, comic cons or things like that. Does it ever translate there where you're like, oh, okay, like, mm, you know too much. You're, you're telling me about, you know, that. Does that happen? Yeah, for sure. And um, so I've only done one year of conventions now. So I, I have about oh, okay. six conventions under my belt. Okay. And uh, it's definitely increased um, throughout the year. I think the more, the more work I've done, the more visible I've become, the more that over-familiarity has kind of increased um, in person. And I think that, you know, with Nico, it's a little different cause he's primarily doing illustration work, but I, my focus is primarily comics and, um, <clears throat> comics culture is significantly different. Like I, I do think that illustrators have fans, but they're primarily other illustrators. Yeah. Um, whereas within comics, there's a whole subset of people who, will consume your work and collect your work. Um, and they definitely, they go to these conventions so that they can meet you specifically. And so there's this weird sense of almost celebrity to it. Um, and definitely Twitter is, there's a lot of people in comics who are a little more performative on Twitter, I would say. Um, Uh and a lot of the time when you see them at conventions, it's like they need to like take a breather and get away from all of it for a while. (laughs) because. That seems so bad. It's a lie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine. Um, I don't see, I don't do, this is why it's so interesting. I, I don't, I'm not involved in the, that world at all in terms of, uh, I mean, I go, I've, I've been to conventions, but I don't show work. Mm-hmm. I don't, no one knows me there. Not that they would care because I'm not making badass gem covers, <laughs> you know, but, um, but yeah, so I, that's, I, I often wonder that and like, um, well, it's, th- it's weird, particularly for me, because, um, you know, there's there's a there's a pretty significant group of uh, female comic artists right now who are making very feminist centric work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely fall into that category. And so when I've done like I just did New York Comic Con um, back in October and like the number of girls who are coming to my table and, you know, they wouldn't really talk about my art first. It wasn't so much about the specific things that I had drawn or, you know, 
um, about my prints or my the characters I had drawn. It was more about uh, the message behind my art. Okay. Um, and a lot of them would come and um, like either thank me for things that I've said on Twitter specifically, <laughs> or wow. uh, yeah, it, it was it was really eye opening for me because like I would say number of people who were coming to my table to just like buy art and look at the art, you know, with opinions outside of it um, versus the number of people who are coming to comment specifically on things that I've said or uh, like, cause for people who are listening, I have a whole line of merchandise that's kind of uh, centered around like anti cat calling and um, you know, like, feminism and so I think that you know my table kind of puts out that message and yeah it was really surprising to me the number of people who who knew like things that I had specifically said um and the impact that that had had yeah well that's so interesting it's because you know and I don't know if this is too um oh gosh what's the word uh I don't emotional way to describe it but like isn't that like go like really kind of key into the the power of the illustrator right in that not power the the importance of the illustrator whereas you know we're taught or we're told or maybe in schools or whatever it's like okay you're 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 telling stories so you're putting stories out in the world with your pictures uh whether you're bringing to life somebody else's narrative your own narrative but that's like that's what we're told illustrator's role is and that's important, but now with the way technology is and distance is shrinking, while physical distance may be great, uh, digital distance is close. Um, that like your words now can carry power or influence or something for people almost as much as your picture could. You know, like Jen, you're you're giving great examples. I don't know how it is for you, Nico, but like. Just the fact that you are willing to, you know, you're willing to be on Twitter and you're talking about, um, I mean, even just this week, I think I, I saw you talking about when you, you introduced your first boyfriend to your parents and what that experience yeah. was for yeah. you. Like, that's really, it's funny because we're just supposed to exp- expect to make pictures. It's like, oh, we'll go make a picture about it. It's like, no, no, no. It's okay to just say it. And that might impact somebody <laughs> as well. I don't know if you feel the responsibility or if that's just you, you know, but that's an interesting thing dynamic i guess um i think um most of what i like when i talk about something political or or personal it's usually um it's usually um brought on by something uh another tweet i read or an article i just read and you know thoughts will be going through my mind and i'll be like "Hmm, i have to put these down and i i don't write a diary i have my twitter so (laughs) That's that's a great. So I just I just I just like tweet storm and then I'm like hmm, maybe I shouldn't have, but I never delete. Um, I mean, unless I say it was something really stupid, I don't delete tweets. So, um, yeah, maybe I could do illustrations uh, based on those, but I don't know. I don't I don't know if it it'll be it it would be uh, as you know as effective and you know as direct as uh, as just tweets. If I did comics, I know a lot of I know a lot of artists do like um, autobio comics that work really well uh, for that type of dialogue. But illustration, maybe not so much. Right. Um, right. Yeah. You know, but that, that's so fascinating because it's still the fact that you're an illustrator 
and you're making work and you have people looking at your work, the just your it's, your words are almost enough in that case, you know. And like, yeah, it, it is interesting when because we're visual people and hopefully there's a lot of visual people out there. That's why we have a job. Um, you know, that's a great way to consume it. But if and there's no expectation, like you can be, you don't have to, you know, you can choose to share or not share. And that's what's so interesting yeah. too. That like, and this kind of brings up a, a point of like, do you feel like you're, you know, you're are obligated to, to represent the, the, I'll say the marginalized group that you're a part of, or the fact that you're, you're a, a woman and you're an artist, like, do you feel like some pressure to be that in the public? You know what I mean? Like, are you a, for better or worse, a cultural, like an ambassador to that? Like, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that there is some sense of responsibility, but, <clears throat> excuse me, mm -hmm. I also think that um, viewers are very privy to when it's not authentic, you know, um, when it is overly performative, when people aren't being true to who they actually are. And so I, I don't ever feel like I have to make something just to pander. Um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> certainly... Yeah, I, I think that the best um, content is honest. So that's that's always what I strive to do. And I, I think that most people who are successful in this field um, definitely do the same. But I, I think what's really interesting about this conversation is that uh, back when I was in school, there was definitely like this sort of star power that uh, these really big name illustrators had. And I think that all of us really looked up to them and um, we loved their work. But once you had actually met someone and um, conversed with them, or once you had seen maybe back then it wasn't Twitter, it was probably like a blog post or something. Right. Um, once you had seen um, more of their opinions on something, that's when you could really kind of make the decision about whether or not you liked them as a person. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that that's a, a big piece of what Twitter is these days. Cause like, for example, uh, you know, when we watch movies, sure, there's like actors that we, we think are good actors and that do a good job and we like their films. But like, um, I was just looking at, uh, what's his name? I'm so terrible. Uh, Chris Evans. Right? He plays Captain oh, America. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, who, so, which illustrator is he? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, like, but the, it kind of directly connects, right? Because, like, okay, I mean, sure, we like Captain America. We like the guy that plays Captain America. That's all great. But if you ever look at his Twitter, he is, like, the real-life Captain America. <laughs> He's, have you ever looked at his Twitter? I, I, no. No. You guys should go look at his Twitter, because he is, like, the real sweet boy Captain America, like, fighting the good fight. Um, and it made me like him as a human being. So now it's like, okay, I like his movies. I like him as an actor, but more than that, I like him as a human. Um, and it, I don't know him obviously, but I feel like I know more about him. And I think that's what a lot of younger illustrators or comic artists are kind of seeing with the current wave of professionals that are being more personal online it makes us more accessible and more human. There's been people I've looked up to, I mean, whatever that means as illustrators. <laughs> and yeah, and then you, because I came up probably about the same time you did, like Jen, what, what year What year did you graduate undergrad or college? Yeah, I graduated in 2009. <laughs> okay, Nico, what about you? 
Wait, 2008, I think. <laughs> it was a not sure. It's such a long time ago. Wait, um, our yeah. age is showing. I know. <laughs> I thought I thought this was going to be the moment you're like, actually, I don't want to reveal that. <laughs> this is something I'm not comfortable talking about. That's what I thought. Well, um, you're going to cut it. Yeah, I can exit. Out. I can. Yes. Uh, maybe I'll figure out a way to use like some cool sound effects so it's like. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so I, I was, and I graduated in 2007, so we're kind of all in a line there, yeah. you know, relatively speaking. So there was none of this at all back then, and so you did have those people you looked to, and you didn't know anything about them, and it's interesting, mm -hmm. I never really thought about it until Jen, you just said it, it's like, that person, I was like, oh, that person said that? Like, oh, I always yes. that. You're like right, and that's like the double-edged sword, right? Because there's so many people whose art I really admire and I love what they do, but I like cannot stand them as people. Yeah. Have you ever <laughs> Well, and that that affects how you consume their art too. Yeah. Well, that's true. I, I mean, for me it kind of turned well, mm, uh. <laughs> it kind of turned you off to it cuz all of a sudden now you got this opinion you're like, "Oh, yeah, but but that guy, like, that guy's a fucking dick. Right. Uh, have, which, all right, maybe I should cut that. Uh, Nick, <laughs> uh, have you ever experienced, have you been, like, let down by, you know, and this could go extend outside of anything. Like, you're talking about actors and stuff. Like, when's the last time you were let down by a hero? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, we don't need to name names. I, just, like, when, when it comes to, like, when it comes to people who are alive and working, I try not to separate the artist from the art. When it comes to people who are dead, you know, a long time ago, um, I tend to overlook um, their personal life if their work is good. I don't know if that's a good way to go about it, but that's how I do it. Um, and I know um, I met an illustrator I, I really, really like, um, whose work I really, really like. I met, I met him... Um, about a year ago, and he was kind of a kind of an ass. Here's a beat for you. Um, kind <laughs> of an ass in person, um, and it really it really kind of put me off of his work. Um, and now I I'm like ah eh, I like his work, but and I don't really look up to him the way I used to now, and I don't really look to his work as an inspiration. I still like it, like it's still good, but I don't aspire to, um, I don't know, he, he's not an inspiration anymore um, in that way. Um, right. But then you have other artists who, I don't know, who, who I don't know anything about. And for all I know, they could be, you know, a huge asshole. But since I don't know anything about them and I still like their art, um, you know, it's, so it's, you know, it's kind of hard to, to, yeah, I think it's kind of unfair to judge um, someone's art, someone's, you know, personally and someone who you don't know personally on the same level, sort of. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That seems fair. I mean, that's very fair. That's very uh, level, like a level way of looking at it. You know, but and this is interesting. Like, to me, this is a, this is an open-ended question, really, because, uh, like, like, is it a step in the career to be like, I decided I don't like that artist as a person? <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. know. That's probably a stretch. Um, yeah, then you have to, like, you have to, like, just choose your battles. Um, you'll have a different, like, 
uh, threshold of tolerance for certain type of stuff. Um, um, I'll be more tolerant on some issues than on, on, on others. I don't know. I wonder, I, I teach, right? I don't know if you guys, I know Jen, I've seen you talk a lot about what your feelings to, about art school. I don't know if either of you, <laughs> do either of you guys teach at all? Do you ever do any of that? No, I don't. No, Nico, you said no? Me neither. No, no. Okay. Uh, well, in the classroom, you get all sorts of different types of students and you want to like steer them a certain way, but then there's like, they're going to, they're like more so than ever, they're able to get their own information um, and they can choose to like, I want to emulate that artist. And hopefully that's in a good way. Like, you know, they might see somebody who's honorable, like a Chris Evans and be like, you know, I want to be more like that illustrator that's, you know, they, they, they're willing to speak their mind and not, and like stand up for things that I feel like that I believe in as well. It's almost like, again, back to a double-edged sword, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, so I think it's, oh, sorry, Nico, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh. Everyone at <laughs> well, the same time. I was going to say, I, I think that, so political opinions, it's one thing, right? Like, I do think that it's important to kind of take a stance on things that matter to you because even if it's not necessarily like hugely political, for example, um, so I'm friends with Tegan White and she uh, walks the walk and she talks the talk and she is an environmentalist and she cares about animal rights and she is a vegan and she is hugely passionate about all of that stuff. And if you look at the kinds of jobs that she tends to get, they all fall in line with her beliefs. And I think that part of that is because those are the jobs that she accepts. And part of it is because now that she's done so many of those, those are the jobs that come to her. Uh -huh. um, so I think if you are wanting to kind of um, focus your career in one general area, it's good to have opinions. But I also think, um, you know, it's, it's more rare for me to sort of, unfollow someone or decide that, you know, that I don't like them <laughs> based off of opinions, unless they're just flat out a bigot, you know, yeah. um, which is never okay. But if they have an opinion that differs from mine, that's one thing, you know? Um, but more often than not, I've unfollowed people or lost respect for people based on the way they talk to others, the way yeah. that they interact with other artists, the way that they interact with fans. Um, obviously, I'm not going to name names, but there is a particular illustrator who I really, really looked up to, and I loved their work. And uh, they kind of have a tendency to talk down to and belittle their fans. Mm. Um, and I just don't think it's okay, so I just can't look at their stuff anymore. <laughs> Um, so I think m more than your opinions, it's, it's kind of how you carry yourself online, you know, cause that's visible to everybody. Right. Right. And you also never know who's going to be in a position down the road to either give you a job or give you a referral or, you know, like you just never know. And so I think that, um, the best practice is just to be kind. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, when you're, um, okay, I'm going to air quote here, when you're in a marginalized group, yeah. um, air quote, yeah. um, just, sometimes just talking about your personal life can be political, and sometimes that can get a little um, exhausting it's on Twitter, because um, like just talking about 
my boyfriend and stuff like that. It's basically me taking a political stance and saying, um, you know, these, you know, speaking, speaking out about that stuff is me taking a political stance on something. So, and then everything you do sort of becomes political um, by the way you talk about that kind of stuff. Um, so it's hard sometimes not to be political um, when you're talking about that, that kind of stuff, when you're part of a, air quote, marginalized group. Mm -hmm. um, so, so you asked if, you, if um, we sometimes felt the uh, pressure to represent our group or stuff like that earlier. Yeah. And I actually, I, I remember starting a conversation about that, uh, I think it was a couple months ago, that I, I was complaining that sometimes I felt like my art wasn't like gay enough. <laughs> and I was um, not betraying my community, but not, you know, not... Um, not helping it in any way with my art, which I should. Um, and I often feel guilty about that when I really shouldn't, because I shouldn't have to feel like I should do more uh, with my art than um, someone who is not uh, part of my community would have to do. Well, so, uh, so what is it, why, and you said, you know, and I should, but, but and that's, I think the question is like, why? You know, why, because, why, why would someone feel that way? Do you feel it would, because you could help things, it could make things, like, I don't know. Like, um, you know, what's that pressure? Yeah, yeah I think, um, well, I, I don't know if it, it would help. Like, if I worked in comics, maybe, um, I don't know, in illustration, I know comics is still very, uh, it's very white male-centric, uh, straight male-centric, I guess, the community, and maybe, like, having more representation, um, like Jen is doing her part, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> no, she. I mean, when when you, uh, when Jen talks about people coming up at her booth um, and you know thanking her for t speaking up about about those kind of issues, I can see it making a difference in the comics community. Um, I don't know about the illustration community because um, what like when uh, like Jen said, there's no um, there's no real market behind it really. It's, uh, there's no fans or, or stuff like that. It's, uh, between us and our clients. Right. And there's no one, um, I don't know. But doesn't it I get, don't, okay. yeah, so, go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, well, okay. So does, but doesn't that almost make it, you know, it is like an editorial illustration, which is kind of what you're leaning at and is so broad in topic and all this stuff. But who are the reader? The readers theoretically are like is like the greater public, and so if symbols like things that we are taught to feel is are quote normal, yeah, like base level normal, like oh well, white man in a business suit is normal, and if you mm -hmm. if you put if if instead of that you happen to draw, you know, um, an African American man in a business suit, now all of a sudden that becomes a whole other symbol, and that's like a whole other story that's like brings a connotation with it, and that's those are the things that like need to change. Like, yeah, it's just a hill to, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, like, representation can be, more, illustration is more about uh, what you draw, but at the same time, who draws it is important, too. Yeah. Uh, just earlier today, there was a, um, I saw a conversation on Twitter about, um, uh, they were talking about how 
Um, it's a problem when white writers or white artists do it because they don't know um, how to talk about it. So it doesn't really matter that there's representation in the actual comic when the writers and the artists aren't um, African-American, so they don't really know what they're talking about or don't really know how to draw it. So uh, the representation in the comic isn't real in a way. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. It's not, it's not good enough just to like have the picture. Yeah. And it's also not good enough to have just the illustrator. It's like we want people who are hiring the artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. Yeah, that too. I wonder, and maybe it's from my perspective, it's not really a valid point. But like, you know, Nico, like you were saying, like got kind of circling way back to you say, oh, maybe, but maybe I should be doing more about um, to help my community with my physical art. But don't you think there's also something like the fact that you like, oh, okay, I'm gay, so I need to make gay representing art. Like in some ways, it's like, but doesn't that help to almost normalize? I don't know, does it go any distance and normalize it where it's like, well, no, like, just because you're gay doesn't mean you have to draw a certain thing. Like, yeah. we're all people. We like what we like. You're, you know, I'm not saying, and I know everything needs help, but, like, I don't know where I'm going with that, but um, it's an observation. Yeah, that's, that's what, like, I was saying, I feel that way, but I, I feel like I shouldn't feel that way in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I shouldn't feel guilty for not uh, for not doing, you know, that kind of stuff, but it still nags me in a way all the time. Yeah. Um, but I know there's other ways I can help my community, but like, in, like, not through my art. Um, so I don't know. Uh, well, and I think that goes back to Twitter. It goes back to what you say online to represent yourself. And I think that, right. um, you know, it's, not everybody is going to make representational art and not everybody has to. And I think that being able to have a platform to voice your opinions without having to like make every single illustration about that subject is just, it's a good opportunity. And I think that Nico, you definitely, you do it. Um, And I, I mean, (laughs) we have no way of knowing, but I, I wonder how many of these kids who are currently going through art school are looking at your tweets um, and are feeling like they have a place within the illustration community because of the things that you're saying. Yeah. I can't yeah. second that like, enough. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, um, maybe if like some, like if one kid sees my art and, and one gay kid sees my art and is like, Oh, so you don't have to draw, uh, you know, uh, typically, I don't know what typical gay art is, but you, <laughs> you can do, you know, I mean, you can, you don't have to make art that, I don't know, you can do any kind of art you want. You don't have to fit in a box uh, if you want to be a gay artist or whatever. Um, I think that's, if there's one student out there, like inspired by that fact that would be awesome but i don't know if you know you know what i mean well now here here's like the limitations of the internet right until someone tells you it's like am i am i (laughs) is is this all going to the void is it you know like right you turn your power down at night it's like i don't want to say lonely it's hopefully not because you all have wonderful people in your lives but 
that aspect of it. Like, did I really make a difference? Did I do this? Am I, and was I even trying to? Or, you know, it's so many questions. Jim, what, now, Jim, oh, do you have more thoughts? I don't want to cut you off. No, 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 no. Okay, well, I was just kicking back to Jen, just like, you know, kind of to round this out, um, you know, you, you've talked about it, but like you go the other direction where I feel like, like you were saying, like you, you have, you put those things in your, your, I don't, it feels weird to call them political beliefs because it's your, exi- <laughs> your, it's your existence. You put your existence right. into your work and there's no like question about that. And so, but I don't, that's not forced for you. Yeah, and I, I feel like I'm very privileged to be able to be at a place in my career where I can kind of just draw what I want to draw. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were a lot of years where I was drawing other people's ideas and um, didn't really have a voice. And I think that now more than ever, I can just, I don't have to think too hard about what I want to make because it's just stuff that I care about. Um, and sometimes that's, sometimes that's not um, about feminism or about being Asian American or, or any of those things. Sometimes it's just like cats, you know? (laughs) So sometimes it's not that serious and that's okay too. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised we haven't seen more dog illustrations from, well, both of you, although you're drawing your dog. Nico, where, come on, where are the, where are the dogs at? Like, let's go. Oh my God. You know, that's kind of the, the funny thing is I feel like I have a huge, chunk of my following like just because i post pictures of my dog <laughs> me too i knew you had dogs i shouldn't know that i mean i should it's okay but like like 10, well, year, I make 10 years public, ago though. i didn't know you know <laughs> i wouldn't have known what if tim o'brien had a dog like i just didn't know that i wouldn't have known that like and that was you know it's just so interesting now how and it all goes into your personality it builds this thing around who you are Mm-hmm. Um, whether you're trying to or not, you know, it just happens. It's just so, I think it's changed the like, illustration. I think it's changed the landscape of illustration. Like, and if I can, here we go and try to circle this back to, to, uh, <laughs> anyway, long distance <laughs> to like, you know, it all goes into building who you are. People feel like they're getting to know you. You don't have to be in any one location, pounding the pavement, knocking on doors, being like, Hey, I need to shake your hand and show you my portfolio and let you get to know me for a minute to hopefully get jobs from you. I don't need to, I don't need to be, again, I'm in New York going to the Society of Illustrator events, which I wish you guys would, but, um, (laughs) but you don't have to do that to get to know people. Um, And I think, I mean, maybe it's, it's a little too optimistic, but I think in some ways that has helped. Is it fair? Do you think, let me say that. Do you think it's, in some ways begun to contribute a little bit to leveling some kind of leveling of the playing field where like, you know, the idea of being in New York, it's, it's fucking expensive here. It's so expensive to be here. And so that right there, it's a certain type of person that can come and try to make a career as an artist in New York. Right. But now with all this connection with the fact that I can know that you have, you know, a super cute dog and you can live in France and that's okay. You know, you guys were in school when I was, it was definitely like, well, you better go and meet people. I don't know if that was your experience, but... Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So the, well, and yeah. and I went to SBA um, oh, in well, New York, and I, of, I lived in New it. York until 2010. <laughs> so, um, you know, and now I live in Minneapolis. So it was, it was kind of interesting because actually... So we all graduated in kind of a really shitty economic landscape. Right. Um, right. There weren't a lot of jobs, if any. 
there weren't really any kind of opportunities and, and there really, there really wasn't a way to network. We were in this weird transitional time. I feel like before we hit 2010, um, maybe even like 2011, 2012, where it was mixed. You kind of did need to meet people in person and you kind of did need to go, you know, shake hands or send actual physical promo pieces instead of just emails. Like I think, you know, when we graduated, our directors were like, what? Don't send us emails. We want a postcard, <laughs> you know? And so that landscape has changed too. But, um, I made the decision to move because it just was impossible to continue existing in New York, um, and live comfortably. And I think that there were a lot of people who, who couldn't even fathom going to school in New York, you know? So you do, I think by living in New York have, have to have some kind of inherent privilege to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and nowadays you don't really need that. Um, people don't really need to meet in person. And actually I would argue that there's more of a need to meet people in person in comics than there is an illustration. <laughs> like, ah. uh, I've, I've gotten more opportunities in comics because I've gone to conventions than I would if I'd stayed home. That's interesting. But yeah, but within illustration, because I've done illustration work too, I don't feel like I've, I've never really felt like I had to meet anyone in person. Right. So yeah, it's, it's interesting, but, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been so much better living in Minneapolis because there's a certain quality of life that you're able to achieve when you're not in the heart of the most expensive city in the world or one of the most expensive cities. Um, and I think that that provided me the ability to turn things down too, which if I was still living in New York, I don't know that I would be able to say no as much as I have been. Yeah. So, like, so it's I, like provided a more, like maybe an easier work life balance. Yeah, like well, I don't know that I really have work-life balance, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but mean, it's yeah. my it's my choice. You know, it's not because I have to. Um, so you go. No, 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 go ahead. Um, you feel like you if you if you lived in New York, you'd have to take on more jobs um, that you don't want to do just to make a just to be able to you know make a a living there. Or I think so. I don't uh, know. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's pro absolutely probably the case. I mean, there. I mean, when when it costs more to live somewhere, like what do you do? You have to figure out how to make more money. I, I guess. Um, Jen, did you um, like the decision to leave? You went to okay SVA. Mm -hmm. That's there's a, there's a a culture there. I think, I and mean, I'm not criticizing it. I I went to the grad school. I, you know, whatever. I, I'm an alumni too, but like, there is a culture there that I can't. Was did you feel like a pressure to stay? Did you feel were you like, oh shit, if I have to move or I'm choosing to, I'm making the hard decision to move, but oh my gosh, what is this gonna do uh, to my career? Were you just like, were you more confident in yourself than that? <laughs> um, no. So there is definitely a culture. Or there was when I was there. I can't speak to how it is now because I graduated in 2009. So, right. you know, maybe it's changed. But certainly when I was in the illustration program, uh, living in New York was glorified. Being right. a starving artist was glorified. 
only exclusively doing editorial illustration was glorified. Um, There are a lot of things about the culture of being an illustrator in New York that were glorified at SVA. And I think that, um, you know, I had a lot of really great teachers there, but overall the program didn't feel like it was keeping up. Um, And I I hear that sentiment from students even today, because I I do get quite a lot of emails from students, not just from SVA, but from a lot of schools. And and I I hear from them that it's still very much this culture of like editorial only. Um, And I think that there are so many other opportunities. But to answer your question, when I left New York, it felt like I was giving up. It felt like I was throwing in the towel, for sure. Um, cause I stayed for a year after I graduated trying to get jobs, trying to start some kind of career. And I had gotten some things like when I was in my senior year at SBA, but it was just really, really hard. And to be honest, my work wasn't there, you know, like I wasn't, I wasn't ready yet. Um, but there was a lot of pressure to kind of, I don't know, work at a coffee shop part-time and <laughs> freelance part-time. And, you know, this, this idea of like the bohemian, like illustrator, part-time barista, <laughs> thing. <laughs> right. um, which I, which I think that, you know, it's my personal opinion on that is I, I don't feel like it's right to tell students who are now hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt to, you know, go get a job at a coffee shop. Like, I feel like they should be able to, to get more than that. Um, and some of that is not the fault of the school, but yeah, when I left, it felt like I was giving up and I didn't really pick back up with illustration until, you know, three, four years later. Huh? So yeah, I mean, I was getting little jobs here and there and I, I'd never stopped drawing, but I think around the time that um, Nico and I actually started talking was when I was starting to get serious about it again. I imagine you were making work, but you kind of like stepped away and you felt like maybe this is the end, but then you, you were able to find your way still uh, ultimately and find so much success. So Nico, I'm like wondering you, like I, I imagine most a lot of people don't know much about what the, like the schooling system in France would be like or what they push on you there, your experience. And then, I mean, I just know this, but I know you're reading that like you were doing work for remote majority French clients, but that has now shifted to our almost exclusively United States. Yes. So yeah. what about you? Yeah. What's you've never been here. You've never lived in New York. <laughs> no, I've never lived here. I've been to, I've been to the society a couple of times, um, but I've never lived in the, I've lived in Canada, but not in the U S. Oh, okay. Um, um, yeah, so when I started out, um, I think that for the first two or three years, um, I did like small jobs here and there for French clients, but money wise, it was really not good at all because French illustration does not pay well at all. Um, the good thing though, is that I, did not have any debt because school is um, free here. Oh my! Uh, <laughs> so wait, can you repeat that again for the listeners? <laughs> yeah, university is free in France. Well, mostly free. It's like uh, it's like a thousand euros a year or something. Just like um, that's amazing. Oh my god! Yeah, 
yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's just a, well, it's amazing to me how the U.S. works. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, amazing, you know, oh, bad yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's just you know, um, so yeah, that's definitely you know a big advantage um, where you're in a position to you know to you know start fresh sort of uh, when you um, come out of school and you don't have crushing depths you can it's easier to choose your path I think um, so I started out working for French clients a lot and then um, and I was doing my, my work was completely different from what it is now it, it wasn't uh, the scratch the black and white scratchboard stuff it was mo mostly uh, kids uh, kids books really? um, yeah and then then sort of, um, <clears throat> I wasn't making a very good living at all, um, so uh, I decided to, you know, um, just take less jobs, um, try to live on my savings for just a bit, and do some personal work, and see what comes out of it. Um, and then I started doing the scratchboard stuff. That was about four, uh, four or five years, four years ago, I think, four, four, five years ago. And I started really having fun with that stuff, and it started um, getting noticed on Tumblr, I think, was the first uh, place I got real exposure for it. Um, Tumblr was bigger back then than it is now, I feel, for art. Um, right. And, yeah, I got, uh, I got some work with a British publisher, and then sort of snowballed to the U.S., and now I get about, I'd say, 90% of my income comes from the U.S. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, that's, that's a, it's, it's encouraging to hear you had the courage to do that, too. I mean, a lot of people would be afraid of that. And, Jen, in some ways, I, I feel like maybe that leans your way, too. Like, you took time and, like, but, like, you clearly got better or you, it, your portfolio changed. And now you're, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and now you're doing, I, I mean, I don't want to quantify what you were doing before. I don't really remember, but like, or not that I would have known, but like. No, but that's exactly it. It was completely not memorable and not, it, it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> no, no, I mean. Hold on. Everyone I, pat each other's It backs. wasn't there, and that's okay. <laughs> well, did I, didn't I see you at some, some point? Gosh, and this is so meta. I'm like, didn't I see you tweet that something about like you used to, you know, you would get jobs where you were drawing more, like you had to draw a lot of male characters for stuff, but you always wanted to draw women, you want to draw more women, and then you found yourself getting hired to do that, and you just felt fortunate for that or whatever. Was that, is that, am I making that up? Is that a bad story? Yeah, well, yeah. I, I wouldn't say that I was getting jobs. <laughs> okay, okay, so there you go. Period. So, all right. So but, this, yeah. yeah, I mean, I certainly went from having like a very forced um portfolio full of drawings that I thought would get me hired <laughs> right. um and they did not get me hired because number one they weren't authentic and number two they weren't good um and so I took a year off I well so this whole time I'm I'm working you know day jobs and I was working a full-time job but I decided to instead of continuing to say yes to freelance jobs that I wasn't interested in and ultimately weren't going to get me any portfolio pieces. Um, I decided to just stop taking freelance work for a year and focus on updating my portfolio and, and starting to make art that I actually liked. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when that shift happened. And it, it was definitely more of a natural shift. It wasn't like, okay, I'm going to only exclusively draw women now. It just, it right. kind of happened right. on accident. Right. Which that's good. That's like when, when you don't, you know, if, if someone says, well, when did you start doing that thing? And you're like, I don't really know what to tell you. I feel like that's mm-hmm. like subconsciously, that's the, the honest, most honest, you being your most honest with your work, right? That you're like, well, I yeah. just did it. Uh, I mean, in some ways. And so like, so Nico, what about, were you like, I mean, again, going back to it so much, like, I feel like that takes a lot of courage, what you did to step away and start kind of over. Were you also like, well, you know what? Screw it. I like monster movies. I'm gonna draw some monsters or anything like that. Like, was it always there for you? Or what about that? Subject wise, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how it all started, but, um, I think one of the, uh, the first pieces I drew in, in, in this technique was um, Harry Potter stuff, oh, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I wanted to draw something that would, you know, that would, something I wanted to draw. Um, so I, I was really into Harry Potter at that time, uh, uh, even more so than I am now. Um, and,. I thought, yeah, this is going to be fun to draw, and I had a lot of fun to draw, you know, to draw, and it turned out much, much better than all the stuff I was doing at the at, at, at around that time. Right. Um, and and I think that's why it got noticed because it was different. It was something I enjoyed doing, and it was it just felt more uh, me than what I was doing the other stuff I was doing. And that's why I always recommend. I don't. I don't know if it's good advice or not. But when um, when students ask me what they should draw or put in their portfolio, I always say just put a few pieces of fan art because um, for a few reasons. One, it'll show um, it'll show uh, clients that you know how to like. Uh, interpret uh, a franchise or a, a character or whatever that's not yours. Um, it will show them how you can, you know, bring your voice to that uh, to that story or whatever. Um, and second reason is that you'll have fun doing it. And the best art you do is usually the art you have fun doing. So, Right. Your heart. You could see your heart in that work. Or you put it in there, and that makes that's like the funny thing. You feel like you can't, you know, you're talking about maybe students asking you or what you would say to a student. It's like, you know, you tell them, oh, just make the things that are important to you, and whether they understand what that even means or how to do that is the next step. But I think it, there were breakthroughs when artists like yourselves, and I feel like at some point I found it myself as well that like you, you hit that stride and it feels better. It's just something about it feels better, and then we're full, the three of us have been fortunate that the universe has paid us back with some kind of a career, I guess. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think um, fan art got me hired, <laughs> and I think that's uh, extremely common among both illustrators and comic artists. Right. Um, I think that going back to kind of what this whole discussion is about, about not being in New York physically, um, and kind of living in other parts of the world. 
one way to gain visibility with people who can potentially hire you is to create work that will gain traction online, right? Mm, and I yeah. think that not to not to suggest to anyone that you should do it specifically for that reason, because like Nico said, you have to love what you're doing and you have to have fun while you're doing it in order for it to be any good, I think. Um, so definitely don't just like pick fandoms that you think are popular right. <laughs> and then try it's, to like gain visibility. Yeah, it's, it's so transparent when people yeah. do that. Um, right. So don't do that. But if there's something that you like and you feel really passionate about, um, you know, when I was in school, people would give me the same advice, but I just never felt like I had permission to do fan art because it felt lowbrow. It felt um, very deviant art, you know? It felt like it wasn't professional and that it wouldn't, it wouldn't be taken seriously. But I think if you can bring your own voice to it the way that Nico did with the Harry Potter pieces, um, and I did a series of like, fashionized like comic book ladies um which is ultimately what got me hired on gem and just in comics in general so if you can find something that appeals to you and that your work is a really good match for um it's much easier to gain additional visibility online if it's something that people are already connected to you know um so and i think that the more visibility you get with uh, just people online, the more likely it is to end up in front of someone who can give you an opportunity. So it's, it's sort of half strategy, half being authentic to who you are and what you like, I guess. Right. As the teacher of the group that I feel like that has been a common, that is like a very common misconception with teaching. And then admittedly, I mean, I've been doing it for probably five, six years now and early, like, I came out of what everything we were saying. I'm not going to go through it again, but yeah, editorial was the way. Book covers, this, that, the other kind of traditional. That's what I was taught. That's the juice I drank. I started doing that. That's what I do. And so when I first started teaching, of course, that's what I taught. Point being, six years ago, I never would have said, "Well, fan art, or or draw, go go draw that picture of Harry Potter," and and that's fill your portfolio with that. I wouldn't have thought that, but now. I think like you have to, I mean, things shift and change and like, maybe it has never changed. Maybe I just was like woken up to it. Is that like, you know what? That's okay too. Like, and that not only is it okay, that's actually smart. (laughs) Um, Well, and I think the culture of it has definitely changed a little bit, you know, since we graduated because I think more illustrators are creating fan art in a way that doesn't feel like fan art you know um i think i think fan art is almost like a dirty word to some people like it right right yeah it's perceived as being like amateur yes you know but you have people who are creating fan art in incredibly professional ways um that oftentimes it's perceived as being official art right so so yeah, it's, the culture has changed well, for sure. Isn't that interesting? Right. Well, and there's so much pressure on students to figure out what their voice is very early on. Yeah. And I think like one of the reasons why I wasn't able to immediately enter uh, or start my career right after school is because I didn't really have enough of a point of view on anything. Yeah. Um, I needed more life experience. I needed more 
experience in general in order to really develop my work. And that's hard to hear when you've like spent so much time and so much money in school, uh, sort of developing yourself. But, you know, and some people were able to do it after four years. Some people are able to do it in less, but I wasn't one of those people. Um, and I think that's actually a far more common story. How am I trying to say this eloquently? I don't think I'm going to get it out. When the world is falling apart around us and we make <laughs> artwork, I, I kind of have two, two tiers, a two-tier question here. You know, people expect artists to re react like, oh, well, you're an artist. You should make something great about this, this moment, whether it's a good moment or a bad moment. Like, oh, like fight the power with your work. Like, come on. Where's something yeah. creative about it? Where there's that pressure to do that, one, um, and you kind of, it's like, well, hey, like I'm allowed to experience those um, an emotion about something, and you know what? I don't have to create for you or for myself. And so that also then links up to and this is is like, do you guys do you feel like you're making your work or when you make art, is it kind of an escape? Like, do you use it as an escape away from things? Okay, I'm going to bury myself in this, or do you do you see it more as an expression of something? Like, you're like I'm going to do this to express. Like to, to tackle that thing, to, to go all into this experience. I'm going to do that or am I going to get away from it? As far as I'm concerned, um, yeah, like I said earlier, my art is not very political. Uh, so I don't think, uh, yeah, so yeah, my art is not very polit political. So I don't feel like I could be reacting to the world's events um, with my art, but I still use Twitter to talk about what's happening and um, express my fear about what is going to happen or what is not going to happen. Um, and I still make, I still continue to make the art I usually make because it's going to sound trite, but I think one of the purposes of art is to bring, um, even if it's not political or or you know, if it doesn't have a message, it still brings some joy to people. Um, and it sounds trite, but it's true. Um, I know a lot of, um, I do a lot of, of those um, alternative movie posters. Um, and that uh, scene has a lot of very hardcore collectors um, who are very devoted to um, their collections and very devoted to um to the the craft in general and they're very um they like to communicate with artists and they're very involved with uh your work and i know when i like when i'm working on a poster and i um post some uh, work in progress shots and stuff like that i'll have some interaction with um those collectors mm -hmm. and <clears throat> so it feels it it still feels uh, important in a way because I know some small part I'm um, I'm involved in someone's life uh, in a positive way, even if it's not you know make, making big change. It's it's maybe making a small change for uh, like a handful of people, but that's still something. Sure, I guess. Sure. Uh, well, so then let me. How about this? Just kind of a, like a follow up. Do you? I, this is something I think about a lot myself, and so I try to ask everyone: Do you think? Do you enjoy the process more, or do 
do you enjoy the process or the result more? Like, are you, you know, is the highlight of the work for you when you're in it and you're scratching, I guess, scratching away or, or drawing and like that's the thrill. And when it's done, you're kind of, you're ready to move on well, to the next one. Or do you, when you're finished and you see the final, you're like, that's, that's the highlight for you. Um, I think my favorite part is when scan a piece and I clean it up and then I sort of play with the levels to adjust everything and to make everything look cohesive because mm -hmm. um, that's that's when I really see my my because I work the way I work is very like um, at any point in the process you'll have certain uh, parts of the picture that are 100% finished and other parts that are still white so it's not like I work in layers. I just work in, you know, in, um, uh, how do you, um, how could I explain that better? Stages? Uh, Stages? Maybe? Yeah, it's more like, you know, like an oil oil painter will, like, do an, an underpainting and then a first, uh, first wash and then, you know, build up uh, shadows and light and stuff like that. And the, the painting will sort of um, come together in layers instead of, just one area by area by area, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That makes sense. Um, so when I scan in the piece and then adjust, start to adjust and clean it up in Photoshop, that's when I get like a full view of what I did. The, the, like, that's when I get the result, sort of. So that's, that's kind of my favorite part, I think. Because the process is fairly... It's not very exciting. It's very, uh, no, it's very, it's very like, um, can I say, not robotic, but almost. I sort of have the, you know, the I sort of have the technique down by now, so it's very automatic and very. You're just a well-rounded artist. Do you like it all? <laughs> no, it, uh, it's, I, it looks like, grueling I, though. The, I enjoy the process, obviously, or otherwise I wouldn't be doing it. But it still feels. Uh, kind of therapeutic for me the way I work. There it is. That makes sense. Yes, that it, makes sense. It's very, it's very calming in a way. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Well, you guys are both. Yeah. I'll say that. I mean, you can see it, and I think for both of you, it feels like for me as a viewer that you're both very process heavy in the sense of mark making. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I've seen countless clips of. I don't know if Nico, you post as many videos, but definitely clips from, from Jen of like just drawing that hair or drawing <laughs> that eyelash or whatever. So what about you, Jen? I mean, do you, or do you like at your high point when you make it and you're just like, you just love that or like, what's that? How's that work for you? Yeah, it's uh, there's certainly parts of my process that are extremely monotonous and uh, it's, you know, in a way for me, always the hardest part is, coming up with the sketch, the concept, the idea, and then everything after that is just different levels of autopilot, you know? And so yeah. in that way, it is therapeutic. Um, and I, as far as my favorite stage of things, like, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely think that the best part is seeing it all kind of come together at the end, you know, and, and realizing the final product. But more often than not, um, I already kind of hate it by that point. <laughs> so I'm just excited to get it done and get it off my plate. Um, 
but yeah, I, I had some thoughts about your original question of, um, I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, but you were talking about, I, I think the question was whether or not artists have sort of a, like an obligation to, um, to create work based on the current, uh, the current state of things, you know? Right. And it, yeah. Was that the question? Yeah, that, <laughs> and then, like, kind of, like, yeah, that pressure, and then, do you know, does that make you an expressive art, an artist that creates to, with right. the intent of expressing, or is it more of an escape? Like, you don't do it for them, you do it for yourself. You want to get away from, like, the tough times, like, the election right now, possibly. You want right. You want to dive into your work so you can forget about all that instead of making work to remind others of it. Right. I think for me, it's definitely, it's a little bit of both. Um, but I, I do think there is, there is a longstanding culture of, uh, sort of romanticizing artists living in misery. Right. Um, it's, it's kind of, we've all chopped our, our ears off, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, it's sort of like the artist's responsibility to shoulder the burden of, yeah. of making political commentary or uh, creating work that will make uh, other people's agendas move forward. And, um, you know, when when Donald Trump was elected, there was this immediate surge of, of people saying like, well, it, it means we'll have good punk music for the next four <laughs> years or, you know, and, and I just, it's yeah, sad that, that people yeah, feel that way. Then he went and defunded the arts program. So, right, you know. Right, yeah. <laughs> Joke's on <laughs> but, us. Um, yeah. yeah, I certainly was was in despair over that. And I, I still very much am. And, you know, I think for the entire month of November, there were a lot of people that just weren't very productive <laughs> that right. month because it, it was hard. And, um, you know, the first thing that I was able to draw after the election, I, I decided to do a piece of Wonder Woman um, and she's holding the American flag and she's kind of looking down she's looking somber. Um, and I did it because for me it was, it was cathartic and I felt like I needed to draw it. Um, but then I decided to sell prints of it and donate all profits to the ACLU. So for me, it was a way of sort of having this therapeutic, cathartic thing and then utilizing it in a way that could actually make a difference, um, mm -hmm. with my dollars. And so, yeah, it, for me, there's been, there's definitely been a lot more of that lately. Like I just created a pin, um, that will be on sale later this month and all profits from that will be going to Planned Parenthood. And so mm. I think it's, it's important to try to, use our art for causes that we care about, but I don't think that anyone should feel obligated to do that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think everyone should work within what they're comfortable doing and what they're comfortable supporting. Um, and whether it's, you know, like bringing joy to someone through a process video versus donating profits off of something. Like, I think there's a huge scope of, of different ways that, yeah we can help as artists, but I, I definitely don't think that we should have to shoulder the burden for anyone. Yeah. Um, I think that's a toxic view of what artists do. <laughs> right. Right. And even like 
can I add something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, um, you even if you, like you you um, even if you want to make a drawing that you're going to sell and donate the profits, that drawing, that illustration doesn't have to be um, about that topic either, does it? Yeah. No, one hundred percent. So you don't have to, you know, you can still, um, you can still give to a cause without feeling you have to, you know, put yourself in the drawing, you know, really put your message in, in the illustration. You can just, you know, walk the walk and make a donation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's just as, that's just as good. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, the other interesting thing is, um, kind of the direction that media is headed. And I don't know how much of this has to do with your original question, but I was just thinking about it earlier today and I was talking to my husband about it, how during Obama's presidency, there's, I feel like media as a whole has been very kind of like dark and gritty. Um, People love watching Game of Thrones. They love watching The Walking Dead. DC movies are all desaturated. <laughs> um, right. And people yeah. people have loved that because it's sort of like an escape from reality almost, you know? Like everything's fine in the real world, so we'll just watch this media about like zombies like ripping people's faces off. And I wonder if now there will be a shift where everything will start to lean a little lighter and oh. brighter. <laughs> oh. Because we we now are living the reality of the Walking Dead. <laughs> oh, that you know. That's that's fascinating. Five Parks and Rec. Yeah, I do think it's headed there too. I feel like the the pendulum is kind of swinging the other way. Even before the election, I think it was headed in that direction. But I think oh, now yeah. more than ever, um, the type of work that we will create as artists, you know, for the next four years, I I, I think. Even if you try not to be affected by it, um, it will affect the work that people make for sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and that's one of those things again that you can't necessarily know. Like, you can't put your finger and be like, "Oh yeah, it's making me feel this." So because of that, I'm going to draw this. Like, it mm-hmm. just seeps in. It's like your experience, your existence. I mean, you are you are a complicated being. And so these things should affect, I mean, they, they will, whether you, you pay attention to them or not. And so I think that's, I think it's, <laughs> let me say this about, the, and the, the both of you, your work, I know uh, so many people love it. You provide an escape for people. I, I am sure of that. I, and, and, and in different ways. And that's what I think is so amazing about having you talk together and share your thoughts because we're, there's a lot of symbiosis happening, but you're, if we're talking about the work, it's so different. Like, like Nico, like you, like it's, it's devoid of color for the most part. Um, yeah. It's so environment driven. It's these, these heavy narratives that you look at that and you just want to like get, or you don't even want to, you are in, you are naturally lost in that environment. You're like, you're finding yourself peering around the tree or, or looking under the car or whatever it is, like you take people to places, okay? And like, mm-hmm. that's it, that is, I don't, it's a responsibility, but it's also like a gift that you're giving to people, which I think you're seeing it the most readily or most immediately with, you know, maybe perhaps your movie poster work, you're saying you're getting actual feedback. But I think you provide that for more people than you might think. And Jen, in contrast, 
you are just smacking us with color <laughs> and and you are just and I wish it had more different i mean yeah. <laughs> yeah we are like polar polar opposites. <laughs> like you're you and you you focus on on incredibly diverse and i don't mean necessarily skin tone which you do that as well but like diverse characters like specific like that is a person that is somebody i'm looking at something the jean jacket versus the the felt whatever and the hairstyle like the braided hair versus maybe silky hair all these things like you're like looking into their eyes i'm like i want to know that person i want what's their story what is that like so in different ways you're both providing this escape to people um and i just think you i mean that's that's really powerful and and that is what i think your gifts are um so I don't know if anyone ever told you that, but that is that is what I see in your work, and I'm sure that is what a lot of other people see as well. So you're too kind. <laughs> you're, you're doing your part. You're you're in whatever ways the next four years uh, affect what y'all make. Uh, I think a lot of people will be very interested. So no pressure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Um, that's a high you. praise. <laughs> yeah. So let me say, okay. I guess we could try to wrap this up. Well, I could feel like I could talk to you guys forever, but in, for sake of time, and I don't want to keep anyone up past their bedtime. Um, uh, I don't really, you know, I like to just let these things end, but like, I'm going to kind of try to ask a final question, I guess, if, if we call it that. It might be kind of on a weird one. But after all this, you know, and particularly with the, the, the location part where that got wrapped into your, your feeling of, of, um, worth as an artist. Jen, you left New York. You thought, okay, I, I'm walking away. Nico, you were unhappy, so you cut it off in some ways and started over. Uh, do you do you feel successful? Do you feel success now? And if you do, like, is it, what is that? How do we define that, you know? I think it's really hard to quantify success in illustration or arts in general because there's so many aspects that come into play. Like, are you successful? Are you popular? Um, with your fans? Are you uh, respected by your peers? Uh, do you make a lot of money? Um, just, you know, um, are you happy with the work you're doing? And I feel like it's a little bit of every, a little bit of everything you need to, you know, consider yourself successful, I guess. Um, and I know for, um, as far as I'm concerned, um, I've been able to make a living uh, out of it for the past three, uh, three or three, three or four years, three years. Yeah. Um, and I mostly uh, like what I do. Um, mostly. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like that's enough for me. Uh, um, I don't know if I'll keep doing what I'm doing right now forever. Probably not. Um, but for now, uh, it's enough for me. And if and everything else feels like um, just like uh, extra. The fact that I have uh, people who comment on my stuff and people I interact with, um, that's just, that's extra for me. And that's like, that's 
I I never thought I would have um, that uh, when I started doing illustration. So, yeah. That's great. Yeah, I I don't know if um, I don't know if I'll ever really give myself permission to really feel that I'm successful. I don't know. I I think that uh, I think that the bar is always getting raised, right? So like. Um, I quit my day job last November. So November, 2015, I quit my day job to pursue full-time freelance. And, um, when I quit my job, I thought, you know, I'll probably try this for a year. And like, I've saved up enough money working my day job that, you know, if I, if I didn't really succeed at this, like I would still be okay for a while. And, you know, I could always go back to working a day job, but I got to give it a shot And, um, this first year has just like exceeded all expectations and I've done way better than I thought that I would. Um, but somehow it still doesn't feel safe to say, yes, I've made it or yes, I'm doing well. Cause it feels like at any moment the rug could be pulled out from under (laughs) me, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 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 So I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to say that it's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've surprised myself for sure. And I, I do feel extremely fortunate for, you know, every opportunity that I have been provided and every, every opportunity I get makes me feel like I need to work that much harder. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel successful, but objectively I'm doing better than I thought that I would be doing. Like you're allowed to feel that like as artists, you know, it's no longer like, let's bring this full circle. It's like, you don't have to be that's embody the idea of starving bohemian artists. You know what? Yeah. You're allowed to feel like, you know, I did all right. I'm doing, I did all right. And, but keep the drive. Don't, don't rest on your lore. Keep the drive. And that's okay too. Um, yeah. But it's also, I think, I feel like it's also like, constructive to acknowledge your um what you do successfully like it's constructive for you and your career because if you always feel like and i'm talking about me personally uh if you always feel like you're you're not uh i don't know how to say this but if you don't feel like you've achieved something you don't well i don't feel like i have something to look forward to or something to live up to so Mm -hmm. um i don't know if that makes sense but if i don't acknowledge my successes it's sort of it's sort of like focusing on my failure failures and i don't want to do that um because i don't want to i don't want to feel like um because like you said uh, a lot of people romanticize the idea of you know that starving artist who is always (laughs) Uh, tortured and you know struggling against his you know his art and never successful and never recognized in your own lifetime and you know and and, you know it's happened in the past a lot of artists you know that that are famous today weren't recognized in their own time but that doesn't mean it has has to stay that way forever so it's you know it's for me it's constructive to acknowledge that you know this illustration I did was um was very successful online for whatever reason I don't know but it's it, I use that as a drive to 
like as, as a motivation to make more stuff sort of. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, your intentions are pure, but (laughs) from a, from a business standpoint, you have to think that way. You cannot, you cannot just focus on your failures. You have to understand and objectively analyze what you are successful at and what people like about your work. Um, Cause if you, I don't know, if you just focus on what you're not doing well, that's a waste of your time. I, I think it's important to acknowledge it and be aware of it, yeah. but it's, it's more important to, uh, to continue to do the things that mm-hmm. are making you successful <laughs> and to, to, uh, invest more time and more energy into those things to make them better. But at the same time, it's very hard. It can be very hard to find like a pattern of what is what constitutes like a successful illustration and what does not. Um, and to if you feel strongly about something, just make it and post it. Don't wait for people to tell you what to do. Don't wait for for them to give you a preemptive reaction because it's always going to be split down the middle, and people are always gonna not know what they want. So I think it's it's more important to kind of look inward for the content of what you're making at least. Wow. Yep. <laughs> that's that's a perfect ending. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, okay. Well, again, I could, I could talk to you guys for hours. This is where I'm like, why don't you why don't we all live somewhere we can hang out? <laughs> yeah, that's the limitations though, right? Um yeah well thanks again this is amazing you guys were really open really honest and like thank you um it's been really really endearing to get to know you guys a little bit too uh just as a personal thing for me and um i can't thank you enough so yeah yeah well thank you